this month I ran out of time to update my game, but I did play a lot of Star Wars, so let's talk about that instead. This month was a bit of a mess. I've just, like, had loads of little things that happened. It was nothing that was enough to, like, fuck me over completely, but it was enough that it meant I couldn't get everything done I wanted to. So on the first of the month, I had to go to the dentist for an emergency appointment, because part of one of my teeth just fell off. Apparently, it's relatively normal, which I was a bit confused by. I was flossing, and it just hooked on like a corner of the tooth and pulled the corner off, so I had to go get that fixed. And that ended up taking two actual appointments, three appointments if you include the one that they cancelled. The work is very good, like you can barely even tell anything has happened, but I lost like two entire days to that. Then my wife has like a presentation she's doing in another city at the end of this week. That will have just happened by the time this goes up, but for me it's not happened yet. But that meant I've had to spend part of this month arranging transport and accommodation and everything. We're going to go to an aquarium, which will be nice, just for something to do on one of the days, because it's our anniversary this month, so we want to do something nice while we're there. It was originally supposed to be for the day, but it would have been so much more work for it to just be the one day. So it's now for two days, but because it's for two days, I have to lose more time, which again, isn't like tons of work, but it's just stuff I wouldn't usually do. And then there was times when I was like, not deathly ill or something, but ill enough that it just put me behind and it's all just like compiled and eventually meant that I couldn't get the update for my game out. The update wasn't supposed to be a big thing this month anyway. I still worked on it, I just didn't get like a complete thing, so it didn't like actually come out, so I'll just put up an update about it, which I'll talk a bit more about later. But yeah, because of all that, I just end up with like not much time to do everything I would normally do, and it just kind of messed me up. So I may not have managed to get my work done, but one thing I did manage to do was finish Jedi Survivor, and I really don't like it. The gameplay's fine, for the most part. I wouldn't say it was like particularly amazing, but it was fine. But I just really don't care about the open world. I don't feel like it added anything interesting to the experience, and I would have much preferred it if it was just a tighter, more linear game. It doesn't need the vast open spaces with so many fucking chests and everything. I would rather have had like 10 chests with new lightsabers in, rather than a hundred chests with a hundred individual parts. I just don't care. It's not even a matter of part of me wanting to do it. Like, I felt compelled to do it. But as I was doing it, I was just like, no, I just hate this. I just don't care. And it just got to the point where I just, I couldn't be asked. I didn't care enough to do it. So I just stopped after a while. And I will say I liked the game more when I started ignoring all the side stuff. I don't know if I'm like, this thing shouldn't exist because the game is better without it. Or this thing should exist because some people will like it. I don't really honestly think it's worth it. They could have cut down on a lot of the extraneous shit and the game will just be better for it. It's not a matter of some people might want it and some people won't. It's a matter of even for the people who do want it, it would still be a better game if it was just tighter. It's just so much padding. Like the first game had multiple planets to go through, but they were actually quite linear and they had chests and stuff, but even then there were still less of them. This game has so many chests and so many little things to find and they're all just kind of boring. And it's all like a bit of a lightsaber in a random place rather than just finding an entire lightsaber every now and again. Like, I would much prefer that. The stances were like an interesting idea, but only letting you use two of them at a time meant that I ended up just choosing two that I liked and never using the rest. I think I like tried each of them out maybe once or twice, but there was never a time when it was like, oh, well, I really wish I had something else at this point because they all function very similarly, to be honest. It's just slight tweaks. The most different one is the gun, but I didn't find it all that useful. I think I stuck with the broadsword and dual sword versions. I can't remember the names, but you know what I mean. Having two blades was faster and more fun, and then having one big sword was good. 
if it let you switch more readily, I might have tried them out more, but by forcing you to only switch at specific locations and then them not really feeling all that different from one another, not in a way that I cared about, I just didn't see the point in changing ever. Honestly, I rarely switched even between the two I had equipped. My main problem though is that the story is bad and I'm going to have to spoil stuff to really get my point across so you can skip until the next chapter if you don't want me to because I'm going to and I'm going to spoil it right now. Usually I'd like cut out that big gap but I'm leaving it there just on purpose just to make sure you understand that I'm going to spoil it now just so you've got time to have gone over and changed the time if you were, I don't know, in the shower or some shit, I don't know. So for one, I found it incredibly predictable that Bode was evil. He had a habit of disappearing at points in the story and always for like incredibly suspicious reasons. And I always thought it was like, oh, is this going to be the time he betrays me? And then eventually he just does. I never trusted him. They almost got me to trust him at one point. And the only way they managed to do that was by making it look like he had betrayed you. And then it turned out he had. And I don't mean in terms of like, oh, he faked out a betrayal. I mean, like literally there was a character who looked like him talking to the bad guy at one point and it just wasn't him there's a scene where you and bode get separated immediately after that there's a cutscene where the bad guy is talking to a guy with a jetpack and bode is a guy with a jetpack the difference is, is that this guy's wearing a helmet and i'm like oh that's just gonna turn out to be bode and then it didn't and i don't remember that guy ever getting mentioned again so i guess it didn't matter but that was the only time when i was like oh maybe i can actually trust him because i thought that was going to be setting up him betraying you and then it just turns out that it was completely irrelevant. So I was like, maybe he's not actually going to betray me. But then not long after that, he does. The entire journey is basically you land on a planet because your ship gets not even destroyed. It gets a bit damaged and you land on the planet that Grease is now living on. And then while you're there, you find out another special planet exists. And it's a planet that no one can get to except for some Jedi did once. And the rest of the game becomes about getting to that planet. So eventually in the story, you find the means to get to the planet and then Bode betrays you and steals the things for himself. And he doesn't just steal it, he also calls down the Empire onto, it's not your base, but it's, you know, like a resistance base. And that results in Eno Cordova, who is in this game for some reason, dying, and also Seer dying in another fight with Darth Vader, because we can't have a Star Wars game without Darth Vader. I don't get why Eno is in this game. He did basically nothing. He's not a big deal. He's just a character in the game. He could have been replaced by anyone else and it would have had the same like emotional impact. He was a MacGuffin in the first game. I already thought he was dead. And then in this game, it turns out that he wasn't dead. He's actually fine and he's working with you now. And then by the end of the game, he's dead anyway. So it's a character that I didn't have any emotional investment in because I already thought they were dead, dying. And I'm supposed to be upset by that. Maybe some people were bothered by that, but I didn't care. But that all happens, like I say, because Bode betrayed you, which was really fucking obvious. Seer's death ties into the overall theme of the game, which is Cal struggling with the dark side. The Bode stuff, I think, is just very predictable and kind of boring. Cal struggling with the dark side bothers me more because I think it could have been really interesting, but ended up just being really frustrating because it was handled really poorly. Throughout the game, things keep happening which show Cal slowly falling to the dark side. Not necessarily falling, but you know, like, straying off the path. He's getting angrier at people, and then he starts killing people more, and then he kisses Merrin, it's things which aren't necessarily like evil, but they are clearly off the path. And I thought it was like really good that it was like a slow build. I think if the entire game he'd been completely fine and then Sarah died and he suddenly turned to the dark side, that wouldn't have been very interesting. But it's actually like slowly hinted at throughout the entire course of the game. He kills people. There are always people who deserve it. 
I can't really describe. It's handled quite well. I think it's quite subtle the way it's done. He always seems to... I don't know if he exactly like relishes it, but he doesn't seem to regret it as much as he should. That sort of thing, if you get what I'm saying. The way he, it's like he feels like he's justified in having done it. And there's a difference between like being forced into a position where you have to kill someone and feeling like the right thing to do is for you to kill them. Because I feel like one of them is like a defensive thing and the other is you feeling like you're allowed to do that, if you get what I'm saying. And he's kind of played as if he thinks he's making the right choice every time he kills them. Even if you might think it's not good, he's always sure of it. I feel like I'm not explaining that part as well. But it reads like he's straying off the path every time. I know I keep saying it, but it's the best way of describing it. So it's just loads of little things like that. And then eventually it starts building up more where people he's with get hurt. People who will betray him. Things like that. And he's shown getting like angrier and more forceful with each time something happens. Until eventually Seer and, you know, die. It's not at that point he completely falls, but he's very clearly on the edge right there. And this results in him taking on like an entire Imperial base on his own. So you get to the base and you start progressing through it and it plays as normal until you reach the base's commander when you, not exactly, but you practically like torture the guy into giving you the information you want. And then you steal his clothes and like sneak through the base, which was a weird scene, but okay. Eventually you have an argument with Bode in the Imperial base. This is the sort of point where it really started to bother me because Cal seems to fall to the dark side here. Like there was a big gameplay prompt, literally that just comes up that says like embrace the dark side. At which point you, it's a mechanical thing, like you have to press the buttons to do it, then you become really powerful for a short amount of time, and you kill like an entire Imperial base running through it with like your dark side powers and like destroying people in like single hits and stuff. And it's a really good scene. And then you get to the end of the base, and Merrin has been on the ship while you were in there. And then Merrin comes down for some reason in the very final room of the base and starts fighting people on her own. And I was like, well, why is she even there? Because like, I'm clearly doing this fine on my own. And she says she's there to save Cal. But Cal clearly didn't need saving. So you kill the entire rest of the base, basically without her help, and then find the commander again. And then you start like force choking him out, and you are clearly like on the edge of killing him. And Merrin talks you out of killing him. Basically brings you back from falling to the dark side. It was literally one level, and it kind of like played out as all of the stuff from the game builds up to this one point where you basically fall to the dark side and then Merrin brings you back. And I thought that was good and bad. It was good because I liked the way it was played out. It was bad because Merrin has, like I said, been on the ship the entire time, comes down to tell you to not fall to the dark side, and then immediately leaves again, and then you just go up a single lift and you're at the end of the level. And it's like, well, why did she even come down at all? She literally comes down from the ship for the sake of that conversation happening, like in terms of like structure. Because there's no, like, real reason for her to come down, because, like, you're doing fine. She just... The story justification is she thinks she has to save you. There was no reason for her to think that. Then it turns out that the room she saves you in is the final room, which is also immediately connected to the place where the ship is anyway. So there was no real need for it. I think it would even have bothered me less if she had just ridden the elevator up with you. You know, just, like, keep her around. But she doesn't. She literally, basically, appears for the conversation in the cutscene and then disappears immediately afterwards. It just seems like a completely pointless having her there. If she wasn't there, the scene wouldn't make sense. But there was no real justification for her to be there. There also, like, I didn't mention it, but there's a really nice, like, UI element change that they do during this, which reinforces the stuff. So, throughout the entire game, when you go to level up and stuff, the backgrounds are all, like, greys and blues. And then once you fall to the dark side, it all turns to, like, blacks and reds. 
it really reinforces with the stuff. I don't know if it was slowly changing over the course of the game, which I think would have been a better thing, but I don't think it did that. I don't remember it doing that. I only remember explicitly noticing when it suddenly turned red. So if it had been doing it slowly, that's better, but I didn't notice. <laughs> but if it did it all in one go, I get it. But anyway, the game side of plays it at that point as Merrin has brought you back from falling to the dark side. And that's okay. But this is the point where it really started to confuse me. So Merrin brings you back from the dark side. And then you go onto the ship and progress to the final area, which is this planet that only certain people can get to with the compass, but you manage to track both there anyway, because you just can. And then it's not really, you don't really do anything especially important after that. As you know, sorry, in between, you go talk to a robot. Basically, nothing happens. It could have been done with a phone call, to be honest. The planet's called Tanalor. Doesn't really matter, but you go to Tanalor. One thing that really confused me is the UI didn't change back. Like, it's still black and red, despite Cal talking about how he almost fell and talking to Merrin about how he won't do it again and he'll talk to Merrin if there's ever a problem and that sort of stuff. So I was like, okay, maybe it's not finished or maybe it is finished and they just didn't change it back for some reason, but it felt a bit weird, but I was like, well, maybe it'll play out. We get to Tanalor. It's basically just two rooms. You just walk through a cave or two and then you're in the final boss fight. During the final boss fight, Bode punches you in the face repeatedly and almost knocks you unconscious. At which point the game prompts you to embrace the dark side again. And I was like, oh, so is Cal like actually falling to the dark side like completely? Again, it's the mechanical thing. So you actually have to do it. You do it. You become stronger and you go into the second phase of the boss fight. You go through that phase of the boss fight and he beats you again into a cutscene. And during this cutscene, he starts like choking Merrin out. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. He's going to kill Merrin. Cal's going to go like crazy, properly fall to the dark side and just like straight up murder him. No, Cal just knees him or something. It, it's not really clear. I think he like elbows him in the stomach, which works. And Bo just leaves go of him and then Cal just shoots him twice. And that's it. That's the end. You then walk outside and bury his corpse and Eno, Cordova and Seer, whose corpses you've just carried around with you. You bury them all on Tanalor and then have a conversation with Seer's force ghost about how you almost fell to the dark side, but didn't. I don't understand. It might sound like I've done a really bad job of explaining what happened. Like I've skipped over loads, but I haven't really. I've skipped over some extraneous bits. Like his daughter's there. She didn't really do anything. It's not a real need for her to be there. Bode's daughter is the reason Bode steals the things to go to that planet, but she just wants Bode to give up anyway. She's like immediately on Cal's side anyway. She plays into the fight by meaning Merrin can't help you in the fight because Merrin's got to look after her. The game just tells you that you didn't fall to the dark side, despite pretty much the last gameplay thing you do being a big prompt which says embrace the dark side. You come out of a boss fight against a character who is stronger than you where the game tells you to embrace the dark side and then the character just says, I didn't fall to the dark side. And then the game ends. I just, I don't get it. There was little bits of it where I felt like it wasn't doing well. And I was like, oh, well, maybe it'll just wrap up in a different way than I'm expecting. I was thoroughly expecting this game to be, once it started like planting the seeds of him falling to the dark side, I expected this game to be him falling to the dark side. And then the next game would be playing as a Sith. And I thought that was like a really cool idea. Dark side and against the Empire. That would be really interesting. That's what I was expecting. That's not what they went with, and like, I'm not going to complain about that, that's just not the story they wanted to tell. Okay. But my issue is, is that I don't feel like they did a good job telling this story either. I think the issue is, is that the mechanics don't reinforce the story, the mechanics actually actively detract from the story being told. The mechanics tell you you are falling to the dark side. There's this whole thing about ludonarrative dissonance, which is the idea that like, the gameplay and the story don't reinforce one another essentially, and you, it's about how like, characters in cutscenes can 
take huge amounts of damage, but in a boss fight you can take nothing, or vice versa. How you can revive in a boss fight, but if you die in a cutscene you're dead. Like, that sort of thing. I don't feel like it's necessarily that, because it's very explicitly one choice that they made, which makes the story not really make sense. If they didn't have that prompt <laughs> during the boss fight that says embrace the dark side, I would find it unsatisfying, but I wouldn't be this bothered by it. Either they have to get rid of that prompt and stop him from embracing the dark side, or they have to change the ending to be about him falling to the dark side. But what we get is the game mechanically telling you you have fallen to the dark side, while the story tells you you didn't. And the two don't reconcile. There's no time. The first time you embrace the dark side, you come out of that. Merrin saves you, essentially, brings you back so that you're not. And that would be a point when you would start progressing back onto the light side. What little of the game was left would be about getting through as a Jedi again. But it doesn't do that. It sort of goes, Merrin saves you, but she doesn't save you. She just stops you from getting worse. And then you get worse again, but the game decided you didn't for no reason. I don't know if maybe I just missed a huge amount of content somehow. By the time it was finished, I was like bored of the world and frustrated by the story I'd been told. And I ended up just glad it was over more than happy that I'd had the experience. I usually plan my sections out a little bit more, but while I'm talking about things that annoyed me, I thought I'd talk about this as well. Pendulum have released a new song called Halo. I think I brought it up the last time Pendulum released new music as well. I quite like Pendulum. They released a new song and it's called Halo. And I am so conflicted on that song because I really like the like instrumental. I like the chorus and I hate everything except the two parts I've already said. The instrumental's just good. Like, I just like it. I'm not really music-y. Like, I can't tell you what I like about it. I just like it. I just think it sounds good. The chorus. The lyrics in the chorus are about, he says, it's a halo of thorns around your head and the world is pushing back. A moment of silence for all the things you've said, the world is pushing back. It's like, not particularly deep, but it's clearly got some like Christ allegory stuff. It's someone like preaching and the world is hating on him for it. There's clearly a meaning to it. It's not particularly a lot. It's literally four lines, but there's something there. The issue I have is the verses are awful. For one thing, they're sung by the lead singer for Bullet For My Valentine, which I just don't like anyway. That's like a personal thing. If you like that, and I know other people do, that's fine. It's just not for me. The issue I've got more with it is that the lyrics are just fucking awful. I'm going to end up getting them up because I know them enough to know I hate them, but I have trouble remembering them. Mostly because they're really forgettable. The lines are basically just cliches. Every verse is four lines. And every line is like a pair of cliches. The very first line in the song is, are you insane or are you fucking deluded? That's basically the same thing, isn't it? It is the exact same point you're making. Then the next line is, you want a war of words or you want to twist the knife. That's just cliches. You better bite your tongue before you roll the dice. That's just another pair of cliches. Every line out of that guy's mouth is just sets of cliches. There's also one bit where he rhymes solution with resolution. And I'm like, that's just the same fucking word. This ain't a game and there's a price to pay. It's all just cliches. He says nothing with any meaning. It bothers me so much because there's another song called Self vs. Self and it's got In Flames on it and it's a similar sort of like vocal performance and I don't particularly like it but the lyrics are something. You know, there's stuff there. I end up really liking that song. Like, I don't particularly vibe with the vocals but the lyrics are interesting. There is something there for me. If the lyrics were good but the vocals are bad, I could deal with it. If the lyrics are bad but the vocals are good i can deal with it but what this is is lyrics that mean absolutely fucking nothing with vocals that i think are terrible and i find it really conflicting because i really like the song i just really hate every single time that guy opens his mouth 
It makes me like legitimately angry listening to it because that bit bothers me so much. I think I might like the song more live because he wouldn't be the person singing it, but so far the only live performance that I've seen them do of it, he was there, so he did do the bit, and I didn't like it. I hope we can get a live version with better vocals, and maybe I'll like it more then, but I just hate it so much. But I also really like the song, so I'll keep listening to it, but every time I listen to it, it makes me angry, and I just... It's just this constant feedback loop of, oh, I want to listen to it, and then I listen to it and get angry immediately, and I'm like, why is this so bad? And then we get to the chorus, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is alright, and then it gets back to the verses, I'm like, for fuck's sake, shut up. The update for my game this month was supposed to be one of two things, neither of which ended up happening. One of them was going to be some form of new language. Now, I am really bad at talking to people. What I mean is, like, I can have a conversation with people perfectly fine, but if I have to ask someone to do something for me, I feel so uncomfortable. Weirdly, it's less of a problem in real life. You know, in person, I'm usually fine with it. But when it's, like, people I'm, like, friends with on the internet, I feel so uncomfortable asking them for anything. So I just end up not doing. Like, I know people who speak loads of different languages. Like, I know people from all over the place. Can't ask them. It's five sentences that I need translating, but I'm so uncomfortable at the idea of asking them. I'm sure they do it. It's not like a matter of like, oh, my friends are evil. <laughs> I'm just I'm just really uncomfortable at the idea of asking people. That's actually one of the reasons, if I want to let you in on a secret, why there's never any fucking guests on this podcast anymore. Because I had one person that I asked to do it, and they said yes. And then I asked them to do it again, and they said yes. And then it became like, I don't really have to ask anyone else. And then like we didn't fall out or anything. It was nothing like that. We just stopped doing the podcast together. Did I take a break from doing the podcast at that time? I think it was pretty much the same thing. I just got uncomfortable with the idea of asking him every time, so I just stopped asking him after a bit. We had Justin on once. Hi, Justin, if you're listening. And I'm just uncomfortable with the idea of asking people. That's it. It's the same thing. I'm uncomfortable asking other people to do me favours. Part of me is like, I don't want to take advantage of people, especially because I'm like, I'm asking you to do work on my game and I can't afford to pay you. Like, I don't expect you to work for free, but at the same time, I can't afford to pay you, so you would have to. If you do work for me and you don't already own it, I'll give you a copy of the game. <laughs> and obviously, you'll be credited and everything. But, like, I can understand why you wouldn't want to. I'm not going to complain at that. I end up getting too much in my own head about it, so I end up not doing it. So that's why I get no guests anymore. And that's why I haven't asked anyone to translate my game. <laughs> Outside of that, the other thing I was planning on doing was making some new models, and I actually wasn't planning on putting them in the game. So if we view it from that angle, I actually did my plan. The reason I say I still failed is that I didn't do anywhere near as much of it as I wanted to. I wanted to get quite a few models done, and I ended up getting one done. Two versions, but one. I made a mug. It's got two different handles. I've not decided which one I like more yet. I quite like the square one, but I also quite like the curvy one. It took a while, for one thing because of the stuff that kept happening, like I've mentioned previously, like I just kept running out of time to do stuff. And the other thing is, it took me a longer to get back up. I'm still not up to speed, but closer to where I was with modelling than I had been, because it's been quite a while since I've done any proper modelling. I've made like little bits, but it wasn't like the frequent thing I was doing, so I was like making something like every day or something. So it wasn't a skill I kept up. The models that I have made are for the game, but aren't going to be added into the game. At least not yet. I'm going to make all the stuff I want, put them all in, and then update the game. Versus, here's a mug. Download an entire new version of the game because I put one mug in it. No, I'll finish every single model I want to make and put all of them in in one go, and it'll be one update for that. But yeah. That's why things didn't happen, that's why it's a small update. Yeah, keep buying it. <laughs> As for the channels, I've actually made a few changes, but I think the most noticeable one from the outside is that Ishin's now finished. It was good. I've spoken about it a lot already, so I finished it months ago, so 
it's not like immediately fresh in my memory, so I've not got tons to add to it now, but I've spoken about it before and my sentence is out next week. It's finished now. I'm taking my week break that I would usually take after finishing an LP and then a new one will start. It's going to start at the start of next month at this point. I'm not totally sure what I'm going to do. Originally, I had a very clear plan what I was going to do, but there's quite a few games I've played recently that I'd like to do for LPs, and it's just a bit of a toss-up as to which I actually go with. The original one I had planned was actually going to be quite long, and I would like to do something shorter first, so I might go with one of the other shorter things first, just pacing reasons, and then start an longer one again in a month or two. We had the last update for Sunbreak, and the Primordial Malzino. It killed me, and I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> I will eventually do it. I'm going to leave that to be the final episode. It's the final monster. That makes sense. So you probably will not see that for quite a while. I want to get it done before whatever the next Monster Hunter is. If it gets to the point where a new Monster Hunter comes out, I will just stop the LP no matter what. Hopefully, though, I will have done all the hunts by then. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I think I may have. I'm only doing the Master Rank quests. Like, I've done all the low rank, all the high rank, and I want to do all the Master Rank quests. I don't care about doing events. I'm not doing the anomaly stuff. She's not interested. So once I've done all of the quests, that's what I'm going to stop. There's some stuff that I need to look up. Not Valkana. Valkana I can fight now, but I know there was a monster added at the same sort of time that was like required MR160. And I don't know if I'm going to do that just because I don't know if I will ever get to MR160. And if I've done every other quest before I get there, I don't know how much I'm going to care. But we'll see how that goes. I mentioned earlier that I've made a few changes. The other change I made to my videos is that I don't have intros on some of them now. The main channel videos and my half hours don't have intros now because don't think they're really necessary. The video's just better without them. That is the entire reasoning. I'm going to keep them in the podcasts and in the LPs just because I think it makes more sense to have them there. Otherwise, they're gone. I'm also debating moving my videos a bit. That isn't something I've done yet, but it will be something that will happen at the start of next month. Pretty sure I'm going to do it. I'm just not totally sure which ones I'm going to move. I think I'm going to move my half hours LP episodes and my main channel videos earlier than my impressions and sentences videos because I'd like to have them staggered a little bit. I like releasing all the videos at the same time, but I feel like I'm cannibalizing my own audience. But at the same time, it'd just be nice to have a bit of a break. Not like a break even, just a bit of a gap between them. It won't be a huge change. It'll be like an hour either side. Like I'll either move half hours to seven and the impressions at eight or impressions at nine and half hours at eight. One or two. I'm not going to make massive changes, but something like that. That'll start on the first once I decide which ones I'm going to do. Other than that, everything else is just going to carry on as normal. Special thanks to all of my patrons. You can join them over at patreon.com slash Gatsby, and for $1 a month you'll get to see what I'm working on early and get exclusive roles in my Discord along with other rewards I might think of. You can also just follow me there if you want to for free, as it's probably the best place to see all of my content as soon as it's available. There's links to the Patreon, along with my Discord, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, and all the other podcast platforms in the description for this episode. Finally, don't forget you can email me using podandcaspy at gmail.com if you've got anything you want to say. Thanks for sticking around. Bye. Special thanks to my patrons, Justin Wood, Hobbs, Coopy Vegeta, and Gunrunner. 